love for us, the love that was shown to us, Lord God, at the cross. Lord, we thank you for you, you commend your love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Lord, Jesus died for us. That's the love that you commend toward us, Father. We thank you for it, Lord. Great grace that's been extended to us, Lord God. Great mercy we've heard today already, Lord. And Lord, we as a people just give you heartfelt thanks. Just heartfelt. Make it personal this morning. Just make it personal. It doesn't matter who's next to you, who might hear you. Just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, and we need to be a people of, of thanksgiving. We need to be a people that are quick to just thank the Lord on a daily basis. When we're alone driving the car, maybe, shut that mind down and just come from your heart and from your spirit and start to thank the Lord for all that He's done for you. And that's going to last us for eternity. Amen. It's going to last us and from here until time forever. That great love that He's shown us, our Heavenly Father in Christ Jesus. And we can stir that up at any time you like, any time you want, you can stir that up. And again, just feel that appreciation and, and feel lifted in your spirit as well. You know, as you would just walk in that reality of it. Amen. Who loves that? Who loves that? I I, I'm one of those people that love that. And not only, know, not only that, but I realise that being a spirit person, and you are as well, you know, we are a spirit, we live in a body and we have a soul. You've got to stir it up. That gratitude, that thanksgiving, that appreciation for what the Lord's done for us at the cross. You've got to stir that up because I tell you, the flesh will sort of come down to just being an earthling. And uh, we've got to be, we've got to just rise up in our hearts and be those heavenly minded people that realize that there's a God in heaven that loves us. And that's bigger and more important than anything else that we might see and feel around us. Amen. And only most importantly, that we'd be a people that would go out and start sharing that love with others as well. Most importantly, it's not just to us, it's what? Through us. Amen. That we can go out and extend that love to others. And not only that, but as we've already said before, so often the things, that, the things that we carry are not so much taught, but caught. People catch things from us. I'm not talking about <laughs> you know, viral diseases either. I'm saying, people catch things from us, amen. And they catch it in their spirits. Yeah, you can be seated this morning. Thank you, team. Appreciate your, your worship this morning. Give them a hand clap as they come down. Hallelujah. Great team and preparation this morning. I think I'm just getting worked up. But, you know, sometimes, you know, you think you go out and it's the message that's in your mouth that's important. It's not. It's actually the message that's in your heart. It's what you carry in your spirit that's going to make a difference in the lives of other people. And it's so important that we be full of that. So stir it up. Stir up the love of God and people might just feel the love of God on you. And, you know, feel, oh, that's, there's just something different about that person. The way that person talked to me, the way that person kind of reached out to me and just said something kinder. I knew it was something more than just kindness that their parents taught them to be polite with. It's something of God's spirit on our lives. Praise the Lord. What does the Bible say? It's not by my, nor my power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, we're into a, uh, a current series at the moment on the prayerful church. Okay, if we need to be anything, we need to be prayerful as a people. God's people are able to understand what it is to be prayerful. How many understand that if the church is going to participate and partner with God in what he's doing in the earth today, 
we have to develop and maintain a prayerful life. If we're going to be in tune, if we're going to be connected, if we're going to be partnering with him, we have to have that prayerful life. A prayerful life speaks of connecting with God's heart through prayer and through the word of God. That's what we're talking about, that prayerful connection. Key to that lifestyle is hearing from God. Uh, you know, you, you see prayer should be a two-way communication. It's not just one way, just us. My name's Jimmy, gimme, gimme, gimme. It's not like that. Prayer shouldn't be like that. Prayer should be that communing with the Father. If we need anything in this day and age, it's to be led by God's Spirit. It's what sons and daughters of God can expect, is to be led by God's Spirit. You know, those prompts, those little inner witnesses on timing, on things that you need to do and prompts to do this and do that or, or uh, to call someone up and just, you know, a word of encouragement. Had a few people this week that we knew were struggling as they worked through the actual COVID disease and um, actually experiencing it. And they were so glad because there's just a swamp of people who just came to the party as far as meals and, and things that the church would, you know, do on their behalf. And, and, um, and they were so appreciative and got a phone call there last night just saying, phew, just so glad you did that. There was a time, apparently in the first couple of days of the illness, they didn't know whether they were Arthur or Martha. Didn't, completely delirious, didn't know what was going on. Just having a meal dropped off at the front door was uh, just so appreciated. You know, but we just get that in our hearts straight away. Boy, we've got to do something here. We've got to, you know, minister into the lives of these people, practical things, and, uh, and they're so very grateful. You know, I think about how... If we would do things as we're prompted by the Lord, we'd have such a, a greater impact in our ministry to others, our ministry around our community of Broome. When we go out, when we go out, Lord, what can I do to be a blessing? You see, that's prayer. What can I do to be a blessing to others? And it's not so much a case of thinking, what, oh, what could I do? What could I do? Listen for God's spirit. Listen for his word in your heart. Listen for that little prompt. You know, ring this person or do this or do that. And watch what happens. It is the stuff of sons and daughters to have his heart and to see as he sees. Amen. If you want to find yourself on the solid ground of stable biblical position to process what is going on in this day and age that we're in. And just remember, you know, it's, it, here it is. You know, listen in for this. It's what Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. We're still in the church aid that started on that day. We're still in that. And if you want that solid, stable, biblical position that you can just stand rock solid no matter what's going on in the world, here it is. God the Father said to Jesus the Son, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And we are right there. We are right there. We are still there. And we're going to stay there until Jesus comes. Okay, that's exactly where we are. We, his enemies are being made his footstool. And I tell you, so much of that is through our prayer. The battle that we do in our prayer life is so important that we understand that. This is where prayer comes in. We pray from that winning position. We pray from being on the side of the angels. Amen. And what we've been seeing is, is that the first enemy to prayer is the flesh. And we've all got one. <laughs> there's no one here that walked in here today that hasn't got a flesh to deal with and work through and, and work on. And of course, what we looked at particularly 
is when it bogs down in unworthiness or condemnation, sin consciousness instead of righteousness consciousness, okay, it slows us up in our capacity to pray. And what we've been seeing in the last two weeks, part one and part two, is that our approach to God in prayer needs to be with boldness and not timidity. Amen? We can come boldly because we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We're not being self-righteous, okay, or haughty uh, with God. We are bold in our approach to the throne room of grace because of the gift of righteousness. Amen? Amen. The gift that we cannot work for. The gift that Jesus made available when he gave and, and made his substitutionary sacrifice at the cross at the beginning of the church age. Amen. And we're still in that age. And what's happening, what's going on around in the world is that the enemy of Jesus is being made his footstool. We're a part of that. Prayer is a byproduct of our right standing with God. And we can now come boldly into God's presence. That's something that we can do when we're driving in our car. You know, we can just go straight into the throne room of God. We can do it, you know, when we're walking down the beach in the quietness of the day or, or whatever you do when you get by yourself. Working on the car, vacuuming the car, you can quietly be speaking in your heart to the Lord and know that he's listening and that he's there and that he can speak back. Amen. He can speak back and show you things. Amen. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you into all truth and show you things to come, even things that haven't happened yet. He can tell you about it so you can position yourself, get ready, adjust, etc. I love that about the Holy Ghost. What an advantage in life to know what's going to happen next, what you need to do. Someone says, how can I pray all the time? <laughs> I work 40 hours a week, Pastor. How can I pray all the time? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, because there's a scripture. Keep a connected heart is the way to do it. Keep a connected heart. Maintain your communion with the Lord at all times. If we read down a little further, we see it's biblical to pray all the time. And I'll give you a scripture. 1 Thessalonians verse, chapter 5, verse 16 to 18, it says, Rejoice at all times. And then it says, Pray without ceasing. How can I do that? How can I pray without stopping? It's just something that we're called to do. We're able to commune with the Lord all the time from our very hearts. You can even be talking to someone else and be communing with the Lord, listening to them and listening to God. You can be. We're called to it. We're called to that lifestyle. James teaches us that in his book that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We have to deal with timidity. You know, that. oh, I, I haven't been that good lately, so maybe God... No, no, come boldly. Come boldly. And the Bible says that we'll find mercy and grace to help in time of need. The first thing we can receive is mercy when we come boldly into the throne of grace. So I don't know that I'm welcome because, you know, you don't know what I've done. No, no, you're probably forgetting what Jesus did. That's what's making you timid. You, know, you forget how he looks at you is as a loving father looks on a son that he loves to bits. And so many Christians fail to walk in the reality of that truth. Walk in the favour of God, the grace of God. We have to deal with timidity. It's not from the Lord. 
it's from the flesh. Our Heavenly Father wants us to come to him prayerfully, boldly, so that we can pray the will of heaven on the earth. How does the, um, what do we used to call it, uh, the Our Father? I think it's called the Our Father. How does that go? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What does it say? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Amen. Thy kingdom come. Wherever God's kingdom comes when his will is being done. Amen. That's where God's kingdom is showing up, where God's will is being done. Amen. And one of the keys to effective prayer is praying from God's heart, saying what he's saying. The word confession is the Greek word homologio. I know that's not a word that you normally would hear, but the word means, in the Greek literally means the same word. Okay? And literally homologio means to say the same word as. Good word. It's about saying what God is saying. We say that the highest form of prayer to be found praying is what God is praying. And, you know, the Bible says, you know, if you're talking about Jesus and where he is right now, he sat at the right-hand side of the Father. The Scripture tells us that he ever lives to make intercession for us. That's what he's doing. He's making intercession for us right now. And just think about it. Just for a moment, consider what it would be like for your prayer life if you, through your connection in your heart with God, were to start praying the very praise of heaven. What a shift that would bring. What a change that would make in your life. If, you, if your heart was so connected, you started praying the very prayers that Jesus is praying. Actually, Pastor Jess had it in her communion message last week, I think it was, when she talked about how uh, just as Jesus was being uh, betrayed to the soldiers and taken away to be, to be crucified, he said to Peter, you know, you're going to deny me three times and, and Satan has sought to sift your heart, but I have prayed for you. I got so much just out of that one verse in that communion message last week, that one verse that just said, but I've prayed for you. Jesus is a prayer. And I tell you, we're going to be followers of Jesus. We've got to become prayers as well. And that, that takes time. It just takes that sensitivity of heart, just learning to just feel what he's, through that connection, feel what you need to be praying and flow with it. And there's more to it. And in this series, we'll get better at understanding what it is that we can do, things that we can do that will allow us to pray the very prayers of heaven. Amen? Who wants to be doing that? I, know I want to be doing that. I tell you, I'm excited about it. I'd probably be like many people here who say, look, I could probably pray more. But what I want more than anything is a connected heart. You know, I want to pray without ceasing. That continual connection to the Father is what I aim for. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Sorry, I haven't got the full scripture up. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Look what it says. Let us hold fast our confession. Let us hold fast to saying the same word as God. Let us hold fast to saying the same word as Jesus. Amen. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. The Lord wants us coming to him in prayer and gaining his heart, receiving revelation knowledge, okay, which is his word that we can then pray 
and say. We're called to that. That speaks of praying out of the word of God, praying from the promises of God. Such a powerful way to approach prayer is to say what God says. Say what he's been saying. Come into an agreement with God. I tell you, that's what we're all called to. And I like uh, Isaiah 55 verse 10. It says, For just as rain and snow fall from heaven, and do not return without watering the earth, making it bud and sprout, and providing seed to sow and food to eat. In other words, there's an impact uh, that comes from rain and snow falling from heaven. Look what it says, verse 11. So my word that proceeds from my mouth will not return to me empty, but I will accomplish what I please, and it will prosper where I send it. Talking about the word coming into the earth and having an impact, you know, causing things to grow and shift and change. And, and of course, they're being blessing as a result of it. Okay, what is another enemy to our commitment to prayer? We've really been dealing with the flesh and particularly timidity and, and even a sense of, oh, I couldn't pray that way, I couldn't come so, but we've been dealing with that for a little while now. What is another enemy that can hinder our prayer our prayer and our response to God's call to pray and praying in alignment with God's will or word. We touched in on it last week and spoke about it. We talked about the three uh, Christian enemies last week. And if you remember rightly what they were, as Christians, we have these three enemies. We have the flesh, we've been dealing with that, the world and the devil. Amen? These three enemies are arrayed against us. You'll find in your Christian life coming against these things and of course they will try and rob us let's today just look the time we've got remaining look at the world the first thing the first thing we need to know about the world is that it is a system and satan is its ruler that's the first thing we need to understand about the world understand that under that leadership its output or culture or cultures are there to keep mankind deceived okay Satan uses the world as a system to create cultures and subcultures that don't bring people closer to God or his truth, but rather cultures that blind minds to the truth of the gospel. I've got a great scripture here for you to just to consider on that point. Again, reiterating just who the, who the devil is as far as the world is concerned. The God of this age, look what it says, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 4 to 6, it says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For that should just tell us straight away something's going on when someone's coming to Christ. When someone's coming to Jesus, something amazing is going on. When someone's coming to belief in Christ, God is at work. Because there's a mind blinder out there actively working to stop that, to hinder that. And I'll give you a little testimony in a minute. For look what he says, for we do not proclaim ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let the light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts. Can you remember when that was? I know I can. You know, I can remember when that, that light shone in my heart. And made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen. 39 years ago, as a 21-year-old, there I am in a drug culture. It's a culture, all right, set up in the world by the enemy 
And of course, it's appealing. It has, it has attraction for a young person. As I, there I was caught up in it probably from the age of around 15, I think, outside of parental control, got caught up in the drug culture. Bit of a sad story, but don't reach for the tissues just yet. Here I am this Friday night, the weekend, that I actually go and get saved. And I've, I've been to the church the Sunday before, and on the Friday night, I go to the local hotel where I go with my subculture of friends, and there I am to announce, I'm going to church this weekend, and I'm going to get baptised. We're all standing around the pool table and drinking our beers, and all my mates are going, good on you, Pete. What a... You know, they're all patting me on the back, and it's your shout, by the way. I patting me on the back. Yeah, go on, Pete, get another round. You know, this could be the last one. So they're all sort of joking and carrying on. But there I am, 21-year-old. What had got my attention was my friend, who I knew, and, and of course, he was, um, effectively, he was a drug dealer, but I liked him. We got on fairly well, and he lived around the corner from us. He was a heroin addict. addict. And what had got my attention was that God had delivered him in like two weeks of his heroin addiction. And he'd had a heroin addiction several times over, but God had healed him. And there I was going, well, that's amazing. I must go along to his church and find out what's going on. And he said, yeah, come along. So there I am telling my, in my subculture of friends, I'm going to church on Sunday. And of course, I'm announcing it to all these people who are caught up in the devil's web and his network and his culture and the devil's the ruler of that whole thing and he's not a very good master to serve. And there I am having a beer and I notice, because this is like a local pub, so we, everybody knows everybody. And up, we're kind of just standing there. I don't know, I was ordering a, ordering a round of beers or whatever and my friend's sort of sitting next to me and we're just sort of talking. And all of a sudden, thump! And up against the bar, this guy gets chucked by someone else. It's like a fight's breaking out right beside us. And I look at him, I go, I know him. He was another drug dealer from the area. And I didn't like this one. And I'm thinking, hmm, shall I defend him? You know, and this other guy comes in and starts beating up on him right next to us. And me and my mate are sitting here drinking a beer. We didn't know what to do. Just sort of standing there with this going on right in front of us. Then, as we those kind of things turn out. Someone calls the police. He, the drug dealer's there and he's, he's all bleeding and so I kind of pick him up and take him to the end of the bar and sit him next to one of the old guys it's taken from the hotel by the police. And that's kind of what's going on this Friday night when I'm announcing that I'm going to get baptised on Sunday. It's pretty messy. And that's the Friday night. The Saturday night, I had accepted an invitation to go to the church's function, which is a fancy dress ball. And people are there, and it's just this home group, and they're having a fancy dress party. And, and frankly, I was bored. I sat there thinking, this is just not appealing to me one little bit. And so I went outside. I was smoking at the time. I went outside and had a smoke. And they said, well, we don't believe in smoking. And I said, well, what do you want me to do? You want me to put it out and come back inside or something, you know? And so here I am. I don't fit. I'm not in their culture at all yet. But so anyway, these things are happening all around me. On the, that night when I'm out at this boring 
Christian fancy dress party, okay, connect group party, there comes, I, I'm sorry, I come home, and I come home at a very respectable hour, I think it was like 9.30, I came home early. I said, I'm going to go now, so I'll see you later. And I went home and my sister said, oh, are you home early tonight? I said, yeah, because I was living with my sister at the time. And she said, Pete, a couple of girls came over to pick you up. And I said, who were they? And she said, it was Michelle and Wendy. And I, I knew these two girls, and I knew for a fact that they never came out to get me to take me out anywhere. They were just not those kind of girls that came and got you, but they came that night to get me. And I know that if I'd gone out with them, I probably wouldn't have come home until the early hours of the morning, and guess where I wouldn't have gone the next morning? I wouldn't have gone to church. I can assure you, I wouldn't have been in the condition to go to church if I knew those girls right. And, and I just say all this to say, God, okay, was at work, and the devil was at work, and I was in the middle being pulled one way or the other, you know what I mean? And I thank the Lord that God won. I thank the Lord that, that I was delivered out of the kingdom of darkness that next Sunday morning when, I, when they finally, at the end of the church, said, if you want to receive Jesus, come down the front. And I actually went down the front and I had an encounter with God that I continue to talk about now 39 years later. And I'm so glad I can talk about it because it was powerful. It was not just a little acceptance of a, a religion to now believe in and oh, I can follow that. It's a good religion. I'll be good in society now if I have this religion. It was powerful. It was life-changing and it changed something on the inside of me that has still kept changing me. The presence of God, his spirit in my life. Amen. The enemy threw everything at me that weekend to stop me from going to church on that Sunday. I'm convinced. But I'm happy to say I did go. I confessed Jesus as my Lord and Saviour, received him into my heart and was wonderfully saved and I knew it. I could have ended up in hospital. I could have ended up waking up somewhere, not, what, what, you know, not knowing where I was on the, on the Sunday morning. All those things couldn't have happened, but God worked it so that I was able. We should never, ever diminish or underestimate the power, the power that we have in that ability to minister to others and share the gospel. And what God does with it is powerful. This is why we're called to be prayerful. This is why we're called to be those people that listen in for God's heart and, and are obedient to it. You know, the world system seeks to get God's people off into deception and distraction. Caught up in cultures and subcultures that are ruled by the enemy and that lead us away from salvation or intimate relationship with God. I heard a testimony, I must admit it was told by a guy many years ago, a preacher called Winky Pratney where um, he said he'd received this testimony that someone sent in that said that he was a Christian in a youth group and he wasn't very, he wasn't very committed, wasn't very strong in his uh, commitment to the Lord, but he was going to youth group, had reasons for going, his mates were going or something like that. And anyway, they decided this one day that they were all going to go into the city and witness for Jesus, witness for you know, go out and tell people about Jesus. And he was completely uninterested in doing that. This is just really being honest about where he was coming from. So there he is, 
he's out there and he's kind of, you know, wondering what he's going to do. And he hears the voice of God and says, go down to that park. So he just answers and sort of wanders into the park. He says, go in behind those trees over there. And so he's wa- walking around. It's like he's being directed. And he finds this kid standing on a, like just sitting on the bench. Finds this kid just standing there or sitting on this bench. And he's kind of, you know, got his head down. And he's just kind of looking. And, he, and, and the Lord's directed him right to him. And he walks up to him and he says, he says, look, um, I don't know what your situation is, but but this is really weird, but God's just started talking to me. I'm from a church group, and God told me to come and speak to you. And he said, do you know why? He was kind of sitting there like this, and with his hands sort of closed, and, and he said, yes, I do know. And he opened his hand, and he had a razor blade just, just there in his hand. And he says, I was contemplating actually just running this across my wrists right now because there's no one around and all of a sudden you came up you know what an amazing thing prayer and being led by the spirit of God can be like in our Christian lives when we start taking it seriously and start actually living our lives like God's really there that he's really on the inside of us to lead us by his spirit What an amazing thing prayer becomes. Amen? The plan of God is to send his word into our lives so that we can be prayerfully productive with that word, what he's saying, and that we can be praying that. We can be led by his spirit in all of the affairs of life and in most dangerous circumstances like the ones that we've just talked about. How could we be distracted away from its worth and value. How can that happen? The world has a way. It has a culture that's appealing, and we we recognise that. If he can get a Christian distracted, he can then get them deceived. If he can get them deceived, he can build a stronghold into your life. And that's so often in ministry, what we're looking to recognise is strongholds that have been built by the enemy, that prevent people from going further and into what God has for them. Jesus tells the disciples that the parable of the sower, and they don't understand it. And so he explains to them because it's critical to their Christian lives because it's all about how we receive God's word. I'll just bring it up there. Mark chapter 4 and verse 13, it says, And Jesus said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand any of the parables? Hmm, Good point. Why is that? Because the parable of the sower is all about how we receive the word of God. Talks about all the different things that stop the word of God from going into our lives. And look what it says. Jesus proceeds to let the disciples know that the sower is God and he's sending his word. And one of the hindrances to the seed of God's word that Jesus lists is the seed that gets sown among the thorns. Right, and we'll just read it. Mark chapter 4 and verse 18. Others are like seeds sown among the thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. 
Nothing wrong with the word, but it's the soil that it was received into. The heart that received it had other ambitions, other plans, other purposes. And Jesus mentions three things that cause the word of God to become unfruitful. And just in the time that we've got remaining, I just want to run through them. Everyone liking our new air conditioner, by the way? Isn't it nice? Boy, a little bit stark contrast to what we were putting out in the last couple of weeks. Praise the Lord for new air conditioners. Amen. <laughs> um, Jesus mentions three things that cause the word of God to become unfruitful. The worries of life, number one. Number two, the deceitfulness of wealth. And number three, the desire for other things. He mentioned that in that one verse. And you know what? We need to reflect on that and ask ourselves some questions. The Lord doesn't want us worried about our life. We always have two choices. We can either go and move with anxiety and fear, or we can choose God's word and faith. You've always got the choice. You can go with one or the other. You choose. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 to 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, that's the highest expression of your faith, what you're really believing for, if you thank the Lord for it, you're saying, I have it. It's the highest expression of your faith. All right? I'll say that a few times because it's worth hearing. The highest expression of your faith is thanksgiving because you believe you have received it. Highest expression. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication, underline, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. This is why you always find Christians who are believing God at his word, standing on a promise, saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, I'm receiving it. You know, they might still be unwell. They might still be limping. They might still have, you know, whatever issue going on. But they're daily thanking God for what they believe they receive. And it's a lifestyle. And look what it says. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Okay, next one. What about the deceitfulness of wealth? Okay, one of the dangers of the culture of this current age is the lure of wealth. Don't get me wrong, everybody likes their share. It's true, you know, everybody likes their share. But we preach that God's will is to prosper his people. Prospering means we do better in life, we experience the blessings of increase and there's nothing wrong with it as we participate in building his kingdom. Okay, as we get involved with what God wants on the earth, he wants us prosperous. You know, he is blessed by us being prosperous and his blessings come to us. You can have things without things having you. I like something that Pastor Mark Hankins says. He says, if you get addicted to giving, God will support your habit. <laughs> if you get addicted to giving, God will support your habit. Amen. But here's the point. Don't let wealth become the distraction or become the focus in God's kingdom. Don't let money or wealth be the distraction that causes the word of God to become unfruitful in your life. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 9. Look what it says there. It says, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced them through, themselves through with many sorrows. You know, someone said, um, 
it takes money to be happy. But there's a lot of unhappy, wealthy people still haven't found happiness through their wealth. So again, we're not saying wealth is wrong. We're not saying that. We're not saying give it all away, you know what I mean, and, and go into the mission field. We're not saying that. Although some people get called that way, is give it all away and go and serve the Lord in this way. And that's great that, that they're called that way, but realizing that God doesn't call everybody that way. All right. It's worth mentioning that the wealth that people get distracted by is sometimes someone else's wealth. Know what I'm talking about? Someone else's wealth gets distracting. Competition enters in. How come they've got a new this and a new car and why that? And the lie from the devil is to seal that distraction with deception. You know, you're distracted and then you're deceived. And you've got to watch that. A lie from the devil. You know, if I had their wealth, then I'd be happy. Well, <laughs> not really. What a lie. Then the Bible says that godliness with contentment is great gain. So we should follow what the Bible says and find contentment, you know, find contentment in what we have in Christ Jesus. How about the desire for other things? Third thing, last thing. It can be relevant to so many things, you know, but here is a test. Do you love those things more than your love for the Father? It was a very simple passage. It says it's just simply the desire for other things. Is your passion for the kingdom of, of God more important than your desire for other things? That's a test, you know, that I say, oh, is there a test for that? No, you've got to test yourself. You've got to ask that question. You've got to reflect on that for you and ask yourself what, if there's an adjustment needed. We all, at all times, need to check our hearts. Amen? 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15 to 17 says this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God, what does it say? Abides forever, you know. We get to abide forever because we've done the will of God. Doing the will of God is our primary call. Becoming a people that press in and pray God's will in heaven being done on earth is our primary call. You know, getting in alignment with that, finding out you know, what we need to do on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, on a yearly basis, what we need to do to be aligning our lives with that. And we're all called to it. Amen? We're all called to it. Why don't we stand to our feet? I'm going to ask the, um, the musicians to come and we're going to go out with a song. But I want us to pray this morning. This is one of those uh, prayers for a bit of reflection. Not to go out of here and say, well, there's another sermon that's kind of challenged me a bit because I'm not really doing all of the things that are there and I'm going to take what I like and leave the bits that I don't like. Let's all be doers of the word this morning. Let's all be people that go and say, you know, I'm just going to reflect on that and maybe look through my values. Maybe look through some of these areas where I might have been distracted. Maybe the enemy's built some strongholds into your life that it's time to turn your attention on them and say, you know what, I'm going to start dealing with those. 
I'm going to start praying into those and I'm going to start seeing a shift and a change that God's designed for my life to get me on track with him. Amen. Get me on track and being useful for the kingdom of God uh, where maybe I've been sort of a little bit unfruitful for the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for today, Lord. We thank you for this, for this word, Lord God, and we pray that it touches hearts, Lord God, that it's uh, hit areas in each of our lives, Lord God, where maybe there's a, maybe a reassessment required, a readjustment, Lord, changes that, that we need to apply, some things that we need to do, Lord, that we might be those people that wake up every day saying, Lord, here am I. We might be those people that wake up every day saying, Lord, lead me by your spirit today. But we might wake up every day saying, Lord, I want to do your will in my life. Lord, we want to be those people, Father. And we ask, Lord, that by your spirit, even as we sing this last song, Lord, that you minister to our hearts. And, and Lord, maybe even just shine the light of your word into areas, Lord, that we do need to make those little, little uh, adjustments and assessments, Father. Lord, we pray this today in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Let's just go out with a song.